Good morning, everybody. Big thanks to Matt and Gabby for announcing. Uh, my name is Alvin. If it's your first time here, I serve as a lead pastor here at the church. I met some of you all for the first time. We've got some new folks here. we got Jersey representing. He's used to this weather. Uh, I'm like, are you from North? He's like, I'm from Jersey. I was like, that's right. Southern folks don't know how to handle it. But, uh, but, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm really glad everybody's here. This is a really uh, exciting day. I've I was kind of up all night not knowing what the weather was going to be and kind of just checking stuff and texting the staff. And so I really haven't gotten much sleep, but I feel great. I feel great. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing this word. I gave it last night. We taped our online service in case we didn't meet. So I've already preached this once. But I get to preach it again uh, for some fresh ears. Before I get into the message, I do want to... Thank Nashville Life uh, just for showing up, for being here, for being generous with your time, with your talents, with your with your treasure. Um, I was telling people yesterday that that our attendance since we moved to this new building, our average attendance per week has gone up 100 people, um, and just in the past six weeks, um, our kids' life has doubled. Our record, I think, was like in the high 20s before, and now we're in the 50s and 60s um, for children coming to kids' life. So so I just, I love what this new building and this new time has been doing for our church. Um, God has really been blessing us. Our zeal for the house offering that we uh, were giving at the beginning of the year, end of the year, in December, uh, we finally got to start putting some of that to use. We got to bless Paragon Mills Elementary School. Um, our team was there Friday morning. We got to give um, a lot of upgrades and supplies to all the classrooms and the whole school. We brought up breakfast and craft coffee to the staff. To the staff. They were crying, thanking us, and on the, on the announcements, it was like you heard, thank you, Nashville Life, for bringing, so like, they know that there's a church that that loves them, and we're looking forward to going back again and doing more with them. Um, so excited about that. We have a big trip that we're planning. Um, I don't have exact dates yet, but I just wanted to let you guys know that we are planning a trip to host whoever wants to come with us to Nairobi, Kenya uh, in October for our first international missions trip. We are going to be helping build a church with our own bare hands, and we're going to be able to minister and sing and preach and, and love on people in Kenya um, for the glory of God and to share the gospel as well as do some manual work as well. Our first interest meeting is going to be mid-February, so just be on the lookout if you have a heart for that or even an interest and want to hear more about how to raise money for your trip. We are going to have an, our first interest meeting in February. Um, we've got a few weeks. I'll give a date probably the next week or so, but I wanted to just put it in your ears so you can know to look for it in case you're interested and want to be involved for this trip in October to Africa. Um, looking forward to that. And I also just want to reiterate again in case you um, didn't know, this is uh, what we're calling our soft opening of this space. What we're standing in right now is really going to be our kids life space long term. But uh, in about six weeks' time, Lord willing, um, we're going to be upstairs in our finished sanctuary uh, 
we were here last night, and we actually heard beams being installed. While I was preaching, every once in a while, you hear boom, boom. So they're definitely working up there, getting it prepared for us, uh, doing some some pretty dangerous work. You gotta have a hard hat to even walk in there right now because there's some really heavy stuff upstairs. I mean, up up in the ceiling, hanging that's being secured, so it's safe for us when we start worshiping, and no one's like looking up worried. Um, all right, I want to get into the message. Uh, before we do, let's just do our declaration really fast. Repeat these words. Uh, say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, praise God. Uh, Our theme for 2022, I introduced it two weeks ago. It's called Withstanding the Wind. Withstanding the Wind, and it's inspired by a passage spoken about Jesus by John the Baptist, and it's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. And it says, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The winnowing fan is a tool that you use when you're harvesting wheat, and the fan blows wind that separates the wheat, the part that we eat, from the chaff, the part that we don't eat. Only the wheat is gathered for future use, and we see here that the chaff is ultimately thrown away and burned. This metaphor lets us know that Jesus is allowing, he's in a process of harvesting, and for his harvesting process to be complete, he allows winds to separate what's actually wheat and what is chaff. Chaff is very loose, it's very light, and the slightest of winds can blow it away, but wheat has a built-in weight in it that is able to withstand the wind during the winnowing process. So as wheat, we have to be trained to remain firm in Christ so that when the winnowing winds blow, we're able to remain in the fold, remain in the harvest of wheat that this, that this harvester is collecting. So I'm talking about weight today. And When you think about weight in regards to winds, let's say it's a bad tornado or a big windstorm, the things that are the most secure are the things that have a little bit of weight to it. Maybe it's tied to something that is weighty or it's rooted by something that is weighty. But the more weight you have when the winds come, the more secure you are. And that's what makes grain able to withstand the wind. We're talking about various winds this year. Each month, my plan is to focus on a different wind that I believe the world shows us and the word shows us circulates um, throughout our era and our time. And it's something that we have to be watchful for. Otherwise, if we're not, we won't be prepared and we can be vulnerable to maybe blowing away by this wind. And the wind that I want to talk about today is the wind of abandonment. I believe abandonment is a spirit that is really running rampant in our generation. I think it's been around for a while, but of course, as adults now of this generation, we see it because we're here for it. But I think people are abandoning 
relationships. They're abandoning their positions, their responsibilities. We have people abandoning their actual families. We have people abandoning their vows that they made before God. We see people abandoning their callings on their lives. People are actually literally abandoning their own life. People are actually checking out of their own lives. Some people just mentally, emotionally, and they're kind of just getting into the numb space, and some people are literally following through with it and ending their lives. And I believe abandonment is something that I think is the common link between all of these cases. People are finding it reasonable to abandon what they committed to or what they gave themselves to at some point. Uh, the original, I think, abandonment that we see in Scripture is when Adam and Eve abandoned the position and the commands that God gave them. He gave them a special role on the earth to steward and manage all of his creation in the garden. And he gave them instructions, he gave them assignments, and he gave them commands, what to do and what not to do. And because of the reasoning of the, of the serpent, they, they rationalized uh, this, the decision to abandon the position and the purpose that God had given them. And they were assigned to be managers and stewards, but they abandoned that and then took on this other role of this, like, illegitimate false owner, um, illegal owners of, of what God had given them to really manage under his authority. They abandoned his authority. They walked away to the point where he literally asked, where are you? They, they walked out on him. They walked out on their position with him, their relationship with him, their responsibilities given by him. They totally abandoned it under deception, and they took on this role of, of owner. And I really want to talk about, that's really the theme of this month, of, of us repenting from abandoning our position as stewards of what God has given us and taking on this, this false sense of ownership. But I believe that with everything, everything that we have has been given by God, everything. I mean, from the breath in your body to your car to your personality, you name it. Everything that you have has been given by the Lord. The Bible says everything was made by him and for him. So it's a newsflash to us if we're not used to thinking that because I believe that human beings, but even within the church, people have adopted this idea that I own what I have and I have the right to do with it with whatever I want. And that's not the mindset of a manager, at least not a, a faithful one. That's not the mindset of someone who really sees that I've only been given the responsibility to steward what belongs to God. My life belongs to God. The breath in my lungs belongs to God. My time belongs to God. My talents, my money, my possessions, my connections, my relationships, the way I think, it all belongs to God. I'm just the manager of it. And this is a mindset that I, I can tell that many of us aren't thinking with, but that's okay because the Bible is here to to re to realign us to what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to live. We talked about time last week. We talked about that time was something that we don't own. God actually owns time, and the time that He's allotted for all of us is actually meant for us to manage 
under his authority. And we see in scripture that he tells us how to manage it. He wants us to manage it by doing the work of God while there's still time. Jesus actually makes it very clear that the time to do the work of the Lord is limited. And it's getting uh, shorter and shorter. He said, night is coming. I don't know if he said it like this. But he said the words, night is coming. Jesus says there's going to come a time where the night comes where we can't do the work of God. Therefore, he says, while it's still day, while the, the figurative sun is still up, we must do as much of the work of God as possible before it's too late. So he lets us know what we should do with our time. This week I want to focus on talent. I want to focus on talent. What is talent and what are we to do with it? The word talent is interesting to talk about in our modern day because in scripture, um, it's, it has, it's usually connected to, to money. And then obviously when we use our talent, like, you know, America's got talent or the things that we say, it, it's, it's, it's referred to, you know, a, an ability or a gift. Um, but both work. I want to let you know because what ties both of those contexts together is what talent originally means, and that is weight. Talent is a measure of weight. So if you say I've got 10 talents of silver, that's referring to how much it weighs, how many pounds, essentially, um, of, of silver that you have. Um, so our talent is our weight. And I actually believe it works even when it, the way we use it when it comes to America's Got Talent or someone saying that someone's talented. When I thought about it in context of weight, I think it applies to the way we use it as well. I believe whatever talent you have, whatever talent you've been given, it's actually weight that you've been given. The weight that you can contribute to a situation, you can contribute to an operation, a family, a relationship. Whatever talent you have is the weight that you carry. Your weight in presence, your weight in relevance, your weight in usefulness, your weight in influence, functionality, preference, impact. When you, whatever talent you have is your weight in these various areas. It's, it's the weight that you bring to the table. When you walk into the room, when you walk into a company, when you walk into a team, your talent is the weight that you're contributing to what's happening. So I actually think the definition of talent being weight still translates well with the way that we use it. I just wanted to think of it in that regards because it's going to help the, for talking about talent moving forward. Uh, the weight of your talent in a certain field has even historically been able to determine the rate of payment that you can charge for, for, for your talent. If you have a technical talent, it can usually translate into a salary. If you have a social talent, it can usually translate to some sort of income. If you have an artistic talent, it can usually yield a certain kind of income. And the heavier the talent, the more weight you can usually demand when it comes to payment. You know, if, if you're contributing a certain amount of weight to a situation, it kind of gives you leverage to say, well, in exchange of the weight that I'm bringing to whatever this is, this is what I'm asking for. And that's how business works. So talent does become weight. Uh, the, the definition I'm putting here, not definition, but the phrase that I wrote is, your talent is the weight you can contribute to a group, company, 
organization, project, or production. Um, I think it's important for us to realize that we all have talent. God has given all of us uh, an amount of weight. We all have something to bring to the game. We all have something to contribute to the situation. And I say that because we have this thing called envy and jealousy that is not of God. It's pointless. There's actually very little logic to it. And it's not of God. It's something that the Lord condemns. And the reason why he does is because we've all been given talent. We've all been given it. And, and though our, our areas of talent might vary and our, uh, the, the amount of weight that we have in a certain talent vary, we all have it. And I wanted to show a scripture. It's a story, but the first part to, to it gives us a little insight of why I don't believe that we should be envious or jealous of each other's talents. Uh, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, 14 through 15. It's the parable of the talent, and this is in regards to a talent of, of money, but um, I think it applies to our gifts and abilities as well. Uh, it says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another one, to each according to his ability. To each according to his ability, then he went away. And from that passage, I want to extract two things. One is your talent is owned by God. In this story, it was the, it was the master's talent. He was distributing it to stewards to manage it while he was away. Your talent is owned by God and given to you for management only. The reason why you have a say-so is not because you own it, but you've been given the responsibility to manage it. That's what gives you the ability to say what you do with it. Because you, you do have a role to play, but you're just not the owner. So it's a fine line. Your management and ownership, there's, there's a fine line between it. One is I'm managing it for the pleasure of the owner. And the owner, you know, you can do whatever you want with it. We're not owners. We're not even owners of our lives especially for Christians. I mean, the Bible literally says our lives were bought by Jesus. Jesus owns our lives, if you're a Christian. Um, our talent is also based on our abilities. It's given by our abilities, what we can do, the way that we're wired, how we're built. I think it's important to remind us, this is a little cross-reference, but Psalms 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We have to get that through our heads, guys. God made you. You didn't make yourself. He designed you. And he, he gave you talents based on your abilities. He actually thought this through. You're a product of his creativity and his logic. And he was like, okay, so because he's wired this way and because this is kind of how he thinks, I'm going to give him this talent to complement the way he's wired. And that's, I mean, that much thought went into the, like, you, you're, 
your talent is not just happenstance. Some of you guys have talents that reflect your parents, and then some of you guys have talents that are not even like your parents. So it's not even totally biological. I don't want you to think that I'm just a product of mom and dad. No, you were individually created by God, and the level of talent that you've been given has been tailor-made to your skill set and your ability. So when we're envious of each other, it really ends up being kind of silly because we're disregarding that the talent that we've been given is uniquely and specifically customly given for you. So when I, if, I, if I'm jealous of Matt's talent and what Matt Oakmark's talent, and I t let's say I had it, it wouldn't even match how I am. It wouldn't even fit me right, you know, because the talent that he has was uniquely for him. And the talents that you have is uniquely for you according to your abilities, according to what you can handle, according to what you even like. So envy and jealousy is just a waste of time because it's, 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 it's discrediting and disvaluing uh, the, the time and creativity that God put into making you, you. So remember that. Please be beware of that. The Bible talks about it, and I'm talking about it today. Don't, don't let jealousy or envy enter your heart regarding other people's talents. Let's keep reading the Matthew 25 passage. He who had received, this is verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. We see that God gives out talents, and we see that it's not just about what he gives you, but this passage shows there's a significance about what you do with those talents, how you manage those talents. I believe that the management of your talent will outweigh your talent. Time will tell. Mark my words. Time will tell that the management of your talent will outweigh your talent. It's so much less than what's been originally given. Some people have been given less than somebody else because they were good stewards of it. Their life actually produces more impact than the person who was given more. I mean, the way this story works, the person that had five and two did more with the person who had one. But there are people who, who's given one and actually stewards it better than someone that was given ten. It all will rely, I mean, your, your life will reflect your management of your talent more than your actual talent. Today I want to emphasize that like time, our talent, our weight in life does not belong to us. That's part of the main thing I want you to understand. I want you to leave here rethinking your giftings and your skill set and really, really running away from this ownership idea. Same with time, like we did last week. But I want you to do the same thing for your gifts, for your ability. I don't care if, you, if you're a technician, if you're a creative, if you're administrative, if you're a social person, if you're a teacher, whatever your gifting is, if you're uh, great with your hands, whatever your talents are, 
if you just have a great gift with people, you just know how to just, whatever it is, it's not yours. It's God's. He's given it to you, and he's waiting to see how well you manage it. So what does that mean, managing well? What's our, what's our base? How do we know if we're measuring it well or if we're not? Like, what is, this, what is the gauge of even singing if we're succeeding and, and, and pleasing God or if we're, if we're not? The Bible helps us see the kind of stewardship and the kind of management that pleases God and the kind of stewardship and management that does not please God. And given that you guys drove through this weather to be here, I'm thinking you guys want to hear what pleases God. You guys are wanting to find out how can I please the Father? How can I live a life that will will bless his heart and glorify his name? So let's talk about that. This next part gives us some insight on the kind of management that makes God go, yes, you did what I wanted you to do. Verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Sounds like he was happy. Verse 22, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So it sounds like he was happy again. Verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. I have a feeling that he thinks that he did a good thing. Because though he didn't multiply it, at least he didn't lose it. Surely there's some to be some credit there. Like, at least I took care of what you gave me. I didn't really go and stretch myself for it to become more, but I didn't lose anything here. I actually don't believe there was any shame or any expectation of something negative, which is why I'm so grateful for the Bible, because it gives us insight so that we're not caught off guard like maybe this guy was. This guy maybe was caught off guard, even though I don't, maybe, maybe he wasn't. Actually, I don't think he was because the judgment of the master. His master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. So wicked and slothful is a bit more uh, intense of a description than like Ill, ill-informed or ignorant, or maybe you weren't educated on what I wanted. Maybe you, no. He, he, for him to say wicked, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't an innocent choice of how he stewarded his talents. You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So 
Take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so this is an insightful, this is what we call an insightful passage, letting us know what, what makes the master happy and what makes him unhappy. And as people who are living our lives to please God, we have to really take heed and appreciate these scriptures because they keep us from being in the dark. And it gives, it lets you know if you want to make God happy, here's some passages that show you the kind of things that make him happy. And it prevents us from being, um, yeah, uninformed. Uh, the management that Jesus wants is management that results in multiplication. When I read this passage, the insight that I take is the times that the master was happy was when multiplication happened, when more was made from what was given. Um, I think if I didn't know this scripture, maybe I would say that what would make him unhappy is if we lost what we were given. But this lets us know that he's not happy even if we just maintain what's been given. Maintenance is not as godly as we think. Um, a lot of us put a lot of emphasis of just maintaining. If I can just maintain, if I can just... And, and we treat that word like it's uh, better than it is. Um, the Lord says the same energy that y'all put to maintenance, you guys need to start putting towards multiplication. It's not, maintenance is not the name of the game for us as believers. If we're stewards, this scripture shows us that maintenance is not what's going to make him say, well done. If we can just maintain the amount that he gave to us, we're not going to get the pat on the back that we've been given ourselves. What's going to make him say well done is when there is multiplication, when we find ways of making more with what's been given. This applies to just everything. Um, Jesus is a great example of this, as he is for everything. Jesus is our example. He's who we look to. When it comes to knowing how to please the Father, just so you know, Jesus, even though he's Lord, and even though he's king, he also was a steward. He was given his life. He was given his assignment by the Father. And he repeatedly referred to the Father uh, being uh, who he was working for. Uh, I think it's important for us to know that we can, that's the beauty of, beauty of Jesus, because even though we worship him and follow him. He's an example for us. Remember the scripture where it says he has walked the earth like us. There's nothing that we've been through that he can't feel. There's nothing that we've, no temptation, no weakness. He can empathize with our entire experience. I think I need to reemphasize that, guys. Jesus, yes, he's Lord, but he can empathize with where we're at because he himself for 33 years walked the earth as a steward, as a manager of what the Father had given him. 
his words, his talent, his ministry, his ability to do miracles, his ability to teach, his ability to draw a crowd, his charisma, his knowledge of scripture, his self-confidence, his ability to command attention, all of these things he was only a steward of. He said, I don't have the right. He actually said, I don't have the right to do with what I want with this. He said, I only do what the Father tells me to do with it. So I think it's important for us to know that Jesus understood this concept. And if Jesus, who was God and holy and perfect, can, can yield to the role of being a manager of, of the life that he's been given, surely we as sinners can, can swallow the pill that, that we are not rightful owners of our lives. If Jesus could control his words and his actions, who had he had no sin. And if even he without sin was cautious about what he said, making sure that it pleased the Father, and he had no sin in him, surely we who have lots of sin can, can start to be more aware of, okay, Father, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this? How do you want me to manage what you've given to me? Jesus stewarded his talent. And the cool thing about Jesus is he never considered them his own. He always said, "These were the, my, my, I was sent here by my father. I'm only here on assignment for my father. He even said, there's no one even good but my father. He didn't take any credit for his talent. Even when they called him good, he was like, there's nobody good but him. Like, and this is just the way, and he was sinless. And I just think it's so funny that we <laughs> who aren't sinless can be so much more arrogant than Jesus who had no sin. It's like, it's, it's, it's kind of comical. Like, we are flawed, and we, we still sometimes act like we're above the, the, the leadership of God. <laughs> and, the, and I just think it's so cool to see Jesus so, so careful to do everything according to what the Father is wanting him to do. And he did that so that we can follow suit. And we can say, okay, this talent is not my own. Actually, I don't have the right to do what I want with this talent. I've got to consult with my Father. Father, this is your talent that you've given me to manage. I see that you want me to multiply it. How do I do that? If more of us would have conversations like that with God, our lives would change. And, uh, and other lives will change. Number two, he kept himself accountable to his father's desires. I said this last week, guys. It sounds like a simple concept, but it's so profound. If more Christians would put the father's desires before their own desires, it would really change things. You'd be amazed at how Christians, how many Christians, if you actually went into what's in their heart, their desires are more important to them than God's. And that's what that's not how managers, good managers think. Managers think, this is not even mine. Okay, so what do you want me to do with it? Okay, what are the instructions? How do I? Okay, cool. And then you work your life to try to manage it according to what the Father wants. That's just a basic, like, entry-level understanding that we should have as Christians, let alone those of us who've been walking with God for years. We, we, we need to make sure that we understand that we are accountable to his desires before our own. And the beautiful thing is if you trust God, you'll realize that when your father is pleased, you will be blessed. Like if your father's desires are met, yours will. But it has to be in that order. 
you have to you have to commit for your father to be happy even before you're happy, trusting that when my father's happy, I'll be happy. Seems like the world has adopted this concept, you know, happy wife, happy life, like and this idea like if she's happy, I'm good, right? That's the same concept that actually needs to belong to God. Like when God's happy, I'm good. Some of us need to like put the same amount of weight or even, you know what, more weight. We need to like, yeah, happy wife, happy life. No, happy father, happy life. Like happy father, happy me. Not God make me happy and then if I have time, I'll make you happy. You know what I'm saying? It needs, it needs that, that, that you're never going to please God with that attitude. With that priority, you're never going to please him. I promise you, you will never please God if you've got to be satisfied first. It's true. It's true. And I, I say that from experience. If you have to be satisfied first before you can give God some attention, you will, not only will you not be satisfied, but the father, will, like no one wins. The father's not satisfied. And actually you, the ones who are seeking their desires are the least fulfilled people. Trust me, the ones who are seeking the desires first are frustrated so hard because they're putting so much time in it and they are just increasingly more unhappy. The secret to life is to change the order. Father, let's make you happy first. And I promise you, when the father, when his desires are met by the way that you're managing your life, man, that's when those blessings fall down and the Fulfillment, the overflow of my cup overflows, all those scriptures that we, we quote, that, those come by people who put God first. And then number three, he faithfully managed and multiplied what was given. Jesus never considered his talents his own. Number two, he kept himself accountable to his father's desires. And number three, he faithfully managed and multiplied what was given. What was given to him? Eternal life. And praise God, he managed it well, and he multiplied it, which is why we're saved today. If Jesus managed his life the way that servant with the one talent, he would have kept his salvation, but none of us would have been saved. If he thought the way that steward thought, he would go, well, Father, you know, you sent me, and I, I, I kept it. I still have eternal life. And everybody else is going to hell. <laughs> the father would not have been pleased. But if you read John 17, what do you see him say? He said, I kept everyone that you gave to me. And I multiplied it in them. And I've got them in your word. And I'm praying for them because after I leave here, I want more to be able to get it. He had the mindset of multiplication. He left with the mindset of it, it didn't, it came with just me when, when Jesus came to earth, he was the only son of God. And by the time he left, there were more sons added to the family. When Jesus came and started the earth, he was the only one. He was the only one who was God's son. But what does he say in the Lord's Prayer? He goes, now we all say our father. Y'all are sons now too. Because he knew to be a good steward that pleased the father. I need to multiply before I leave this earth. If I'm going to please the Father, I've got to do some multiplication. I've got to 
impart what I have, the talents that I've been given, the ability that I have to cast out demons. I've got to make sure that more people can cast out demons than just me. The ability that I have to teach, I've got to make sure that more people can teach than just me. The ability that I have to forgive and love my enemies, I have to make sure before I leave that more people know how to forgive their enemies than just me. This is the way that Jesus thought. Is that how we think is my question today. And if it's not, I'm glad you're here because you can start. When it comes to the talents that you've been given, make it your point that when you leave this earth, more people have what you have than just you. If you've got a great teaching gift, then put yourself in situations where more people can experience this and learn from this. Open up a small group. Teach a class. Serve. Find, get into teaching. Find ways because I promise you if you're faithful in, a, in, in, a, in letting your gifts serve your fellow man, it's just a matter of time before more will raise up. You, will, you are bound. Now, it won't be everybody, but you're bound to find those people that's like, you know what? I want to do what you do. I see the way you've served me and the way you've benefited me and the way you're touching. I would love, you know, I, I think I have a heart for that too. Can we get together? Sure. If you've got a great administrative gift, if you just have ability of organizing things and you, you serve, whether at work or at church or organization or nonprofit, and you're allowing other people to benefit from this gift you have, there is, if you're faithful, there is bound to be someone that will go, I'm really inspired by the way that you just have a way of putting all these things together and you, you just so, you're so organized and I think I'm kind of that way too. Can we talk? Cool, yeah. Can I assist you? Can I help? Sure. Next thing you know, you've got more people. If you're a, if you're a craftsman and you're great with your hands and you're, you're finding ways to put that gift to use and you're, you're able to, to carve this and mold this and build this, I guarantee you if you're faithful in it, someone's going to come around going, man, I want to know how to do that. I think I have a heart. I, I think I'm, I'm not great at it, but can I come and, like, help you out on a Saturday? Sure, come on. That's how this works. The first step is make, make sure that your talent is serving other people. The word gifts can be misleading because when God gives you your gift, whatever your gifting is, I guess because it's called gift, we can kind of get confused and think that the gift is for our benefit. Um, the gifts that you have are actually meant to be beneficial to other people. Um, is it meant for you to enjoy? Yes, but that's not the purpose. Almost like fruit. Think about fruit. When a tree is... An orange tree is producing oranges. Um, it's cool if the tree is enjoying that he's producing oranges, but that's not really the primary purpose of that orange for the tree to benefit from it. It's for someone like us to pluck that orange and eat it or make some orange juice. I had orange juice this morning. Like Other people are meant to come and enjoy the fruit from your life. Your gifts, if you have the ability to teach, I promise you, it is not for you to just be like, "Woo, I love my teaching. Oh, I just get in my room and I just start teaching and I just get blessed. Oh, it's just the best. Hallelujah. I love this teaching gift. Thank you for this gift. No, it's meant for others to go, man, you helped me. You know, 
if you have ability to organize, then it's not just supposed to be your life that's organized and everybody else is in chaos. They probably need you to give them a little. So how do you do that? This is how I do that. I don't know. Like, whatever gift you have, if it's flashy, if it's not, if it's been given to you, it has its common purpose and it's meant to be managed under God's authority and it's meant to be multiplied. And the best way to multiply is through people. Find a way for people to benefit from your talent. Find ways for other people to be uh, blessed and served by your talent. And I promise you, and I don't promise a lot of things, but I promise you it will multiply. It will multiply. I want to end just talking about value. God wants to, first of all, remind you that you have value. Remind you that he, and the reason why he knows that is because he gave it to you. Like, he actually distributed the talent. He gave you the weight of value that you have. And the good news about Jesus is he, he not only reveals the value in your life, but if you follow him, he will multiply the value in your life. Um, I think it's important to know that those who follow Jesus, they increase in value. Um, which is why I think we're like we. I think things get reason why Thanksgiving is such a big part of our lives is because I think we're actually wired and blessed to appreciate with time, like not depreciate. Like our value goes up which is why we have to always stay appreciative because it keeps this appreciation building in us. And the more appreciative you are of God and your blessings, the more you actually appreciate. You actually increase in value. Some houses appreciate over time, right? You, if you follow Jesus, you will appreciate over time. Every year, the value, the impact, the influence will increase if you manage your life under God's authority. Now, if you own it, I can't guarantee you. I can't promise you. In fact, the promise is the opposite because we aren't anointed the way the God is to, to manage our lives and to steward our lives. Like we have under, Outside of his authority, our lives would depreciate. It'll go down. It'll go down in value. But if you follow Jesus, and I promise you this, if you follow him... And steward your talents the way that his word and his spirit is telling you to steward it. You will appreciate. Your value will go up year after year. And you will multiply. So I just want to offer that. I want to end offering uh, a life that appreciates in value. A life that uh, multiplies in value. The weight that you've been given can actually be imparted to several others and then several others, and several others. If you just stay faithful in the small thing that he's given you, like the scripture says, it starts with whatever you have right now. Sometimes we get discouraged because we're not there. But the way Jesus is letting us know, if we're faithful over the little that he has given us, then he will set us over more. And if we're faithful over that, he'll set us over more. It's a process. So don't get, for those of you who get discouraged because you're just, 
how in the world could I actually turn that business into something or that talent into something? It's been so many years. Nothing's happened. If you can just be faithful over what he has on your plate right now. That's the way he works. Don't worry about the other tier of influence. Just ask yourself. I don't care if your influence is only over your, your niece. Be faithful over that niece. I don't care if it's just your grandma that you take care of. If that's the only person you have influence over, which is, I don't think is true. But let's say it's just somebody random or something. Be, if you are faithful over that, I promise you that one will turn into three before long. So please don't be discouraged about where you're at. God is actually watching and seeing how you handle where you're at. And if you're faithful, he will multiply you. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for reminding us that we are stewards of the talents and gifts that you've given us, God. I thank you, God, that you have given value to our lives, Lord. But we see that there's an expectation that comes with what's been given, Lord. We see that you, as the owner of our talents, want to see multiplication. Father, so I pray, Lord, that the people who are here today would hear this and take action, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would assess the way that they are managing your talents that you've given to them. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would start small. I pray, Lord, they would start small. Lord, I come against getting overwhelmed about the big picture. God, let them just start small and, and see how, what, what, they, what they can do, what they can put to use, who they can serve, who they can bless where they can contribute, whether it's in church or somewhere else, Lord, whatever, Lord, just let them let them put what they have to use under your authority, under your leadership. Lord, and your word shows what happens. It doesn't matter who we are, but if we can just be faithful over the little things, you will set us over more. Lord, I thank you in advance for increasing the value of every person here Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would, we would be obedient and humble, Father, and uh, listen to you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to offer Jesus. I don't want any day to go by or any Sunday to happen where someone doesn't have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Jesus is the one that can lead your life in a way where it will go up in value every step, every test, every trial, you will see your life increase. You will look behind you and you will see influence and people walking in similar gifts and similar talents because of you. And if that sounds like a good life to you, I want you to come to Jesus. I want you to say yes to him. He forgives you of all your sins. He removes all your shame. All of the reasons why you don't think that you do have value, he will actually wipe all that stuff away. And he will give you a fresh start. So repeat this prayer after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. 
make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm going to ask us to stand and worship God. Thank him for salvation. Thank him for his mercy. And thank him for taking your value to another level, taking your talent to another level, taking your gifts to another level. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Let's just sing this chorus one time. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy. Let's surrender your gifts to the Lord. Worthy is your name, Jesus. He's the owner. You deserve the praise. Worthy is the Lord owns our life. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve praise. Worthy is If you said yes to Jesus, please let us know by sending a text saying yes to Jesus. Send it to the number 77411. And that number will let us know who's, who made that choice today to follow him and to give him your life. If you would like, uh, yes, please let text that number. Don't forget. Um, if you would like prayer, you can let us know. You can, we have a prayer team that will be here to pray for you at the end of service. We also have a prayer request system online. You can go to our website and submit a prayer request, and our team prays for everything that comes in. And if you would like to uh, get more involved. We have next steps after our 11:15 service. So around 12:30, either stick around or come back, and we'll get you plugged in, get you more involved with how to serve and how to be a part of the community. Uh, and lastly, if you want to give, thank you in advance. Uh, please uh, text Nashville Life to 77411. And you can give online, but we also have our finance team in the back. If you want to give a physical offering, uh, you can drop that off on your way out. I love you all. Thanks so much for being here. Be safe going home. Stay warm. And uh, Father, bless them all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good one.